Are you looking for an open-minded perspective? Different view or a different take? Well, this is Lost in the Groove, society and culture podcast, donor culture, and deep dive. See here, we're all about the experience, all about the journey, and getting into the groove. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lost in the Groove. Uh, today we're with Corby Mitleid, um, who's here to take us on this groovy journey of trauma. We're going to break down trauma. We're going to explain it from the beginning all the way to the end. What can we do with it and how we can allow it to not be such a burden on our daily lives. So without further ado, Corby, so happy to have you here. Welcome. Great to be here. I hope you like the background. You said it's lost in the groove. I did the best I could. It's beautiful. Or as 60s as I could find. And green is my favorite color, actually. There you go. So um, one thing from my own experience, and I want to hear from your own experience as well. Yeah. I've had experiences of trauma as from a very young age. And it's interesting because even in early memories, I can remember trauma. And it's strange to me because when we're younger, we don't really remember things that are important. You know, like I have some memories, but like as you get older, as a child, you start to develop more and more and being able to harness information around you. I've heard from other people, I've read about this too, that in the first few years, so like from year you know, zero all the way to three and then three all the way to eight, those are very crucial years mm-hmm. for child's development. Mm-hmm. That correct? I guess so. I haven't had kids, but I was a kid. So what's your, like, for example, as in your own childhood, in your own experiences, do you feel that that period of time, if you did have that trauma, that it was, you know, it was more significant than the other memories that you had at that time? Actually, actually, no. Well, at that time, perhaps. Um, Thinking about my childhood, what memories I have, they're all the trauma. I can't remember any of the good times. But my life has been roller coaster, no breaks. And so people remind me of wonderful things I did for them and periods of my life. I, all I remember is the poverty, the rape, the divorce, the abuse. But there are sparks. I have more memories since I married my husband 20 years ago because that was the start of safety. There was still trauma in it, but it was medical. It wasn't him. And jumping into the career I adore. So after 45 years of hell, I finally got to breathe. So as a result, I don't remember much of my life unless I get told feel that way i i feel like a part of because if a lot of people uh, don't know this the, the person you're talking to right now mm-hmm. 
only existed for the past six years. I've only been like this for the past six years since 2017, because that other part of my life, the pain, the abuse, the the trauma, all of it. I also have sometimes the same thing where little pieces, but like people remind me of this and this and this. And I'm like, I, I, I don't connect that well anymore to this six years in the past. And I think that's, that's the thing about when you're there presently, it feels, Oh my God. Mm -hmm. It does. If you don't know how to live the examined life, if you feel completely powerless, there's nothing good to remember. You know, that's, that's part of it. Um, the trauma I had since I was married was third bout of breast cancer, double mastectomy, which took me from a Dolly Parton figure to a fat fire plug, permanent side effects. And I had basically traded on my looks my entire life. Because when you look like Dolly Parton in a brunette wig, that's all people expect of you. They get mad when they don't get it. So that's what I taught myself I was. And having to totally reinvent myself in three weeks with no choice and just having been married for 18 months, that was trial by fire. It is because you're, you're, you're put into, you know, you have to think about it like this again, presently, when you're presently in that situation and you're given a very short window of time, okay, Mm -hmm. that you have to. Try to understand this. You have to literally change what you 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 know of yourself every single day. That's yes. astonishing. That's why I teach people how to live the examined life. What's that? Okay, you're having this thing happen to you that you don't want, but it's barreling down on you. The first thing I teach them is breathe. Then What can I learn from it? Not learn from it, but life gives us lessons that shape us and we can pass on. Because that's the next thing I always say is, how can I teach with it? And then the next word is next. You see, people get stuck in their story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've done the cancer didn't notice. I don't say I fought cancer because what you fight fights back. And I'm not a cancer survivor because I do a hell of a lot more than hang on by teeth and toenails. I'm a cancer dancer. I found out how graceful I could be under pressure, avoided getting my toes stepped on, and got off the dance floor in one piece. So that was then. I don't talk about it now unless it's like this in a teaching moment. But there are so many women who, you know, 15 years ago, they had colon cancer. Hi, I'm Susie, and I'm a cancer survivor. Just right there. Mm -hmm. They stay stuck in that story. That was you 15 years ago, Susie. Who are you now? Do no. you want to be now? It's uh, it's crazy. You know, I I'm the kind of guy that I actually like wearing heels, and I've been wearing heels for the past couple of years. And I had recently someone ask me, you know, oh, like, you know, how long have you been wearing heels? And it's just a weird question to ask. But you know, like times have changed. It's more common now. I mean, it was common 40 years ago. Whatever. We're not going to get into that. Um. Mm-hmm. But to kind of 
explain to this person why I made this life choice. That's the problem I have with this media crap is we're they're giving you this picture of, ooh, I survived this, yada, yada. I changed that. But here I'm living my life. I've changed things, but I, I don't. I don't live on the fact that I came out of the closet. Okay, great. I came out of the closet. That's it. We're, ta- we're moving taught on with to my be, life. We're taught to be victims because victims get rewards. Okay. Mm. Okay. And I don't know how to be a victim. Um, I'm an elder now. I'm 67. I can't be a victim. I don't have that much time left when you look at the great scheme of things. And I have too much I want to do. Being a victim means you're stuck. Being a victim means somebody else has control over your life. No, thank you. I mean, that's just how it's kind of crazy. It's just how society has evolved. I mean, we, we live in a society where you pick a side, you choose a side, you take a side. Uh, I, I don't, I don't like that infrastructure. And here is somebody that I'm in my early twenties and I live in a society where they expect me as someone that's younger to be dumb. You know, I don't know that much. Oh, you know, but I've had a lot of life experience, you know, that's what I'm going to tell you is what you've experienced is the difference between a boomer and an elder. Okay. Boomers do that to you. They think we had the groovy cars and we had the great music and you guys don't know anything. Why aren't you listening to me? And yada, yada, yada. No, I am teaching people my age to be elders. I look at them and I say, listen to me. When we were kids, we never worried about being shot to death in school. We never worried that the earth would be uninhabitable in our lifetime. Yes. We never worried that our neighbor would come and bludgeon us because we chose a vaccine or someone to love they didn't understand or voted democratic. So our job as elders is to get off the stage and give them the spotlight. If we have advice, we offer it to them when we are asked and only then. Sometimes you can say, can I make a suggestion or can I offer my thoughts? And if the kid says, no, thanks, then you shut up. And elders need to learn to be the third trenchers. Now, what's that? In World War I, first trench was everyone who went over the top and fought the other side. Second trench was the reserves. Third trench was medics, food, supplies. We elders need to be the third trenchers. We'll do the dishes We'll pack the lunches, but it's the millennials and the Gen Zs that get to plan the event for feeding the homeless. They need to put their stamp on the world. And it's tough getting that across to boomers, but occasionally I can. And I think I've made one difference for your generation. Your generation probably are the people who saved our asses in the political situation on election day. We owe you a debt of gratitude. So whoever is feeding you that line, I want to give you two magic phrases, my friend. You look at them and you smile and you say, thank you for sharing. You may think that if you wish, and then you go do what the hell you need to do. I know. 
I mean, it's it's one of the reasons. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I I created this podcast is I was told by you know people my age and older, you know, you, you have all these ideas. Why don't you just just talk about it and have a conversation? See, if you you look throughout our civilization, throughout history, communication has been the number one key of survival. Number two, we've lint we've lived as communions. Okay, Mesopotamia. Okay, one of the you know oldest places. You have the Assyrians. You had the Israelites, you have the Canaanites, you had all these different kind of people. They all lived. Yeah, they were fighting with each other. I don't care. But they were all living around each other because they had a common purpose. There's water, there's good land, and we need to survive. So I guess we have to work together to survive. We gotta take a uh, we gotta take a page out of our history books sometimes, I feel, even if it's very old. Because it teaches us a very valuable lesson on how to be able to survive now. Which we need to do. But technology, and, you know, no, I'm not saying all technology is bad. I love my iPhone and I'm talking to you on Zoom. But technology has taken us away from each other. It has also infested our lives 24-7. When I first started working in the mid-70s, you go to work, you go home. The boss would very rarely call you on your landline phone. You didn't have a pager. You didn't have a mobile phone. You weren't expected to do the hours that you have been expected to do since the Reagan era. You were allowed to have a life. Now, I have worked for a woman who called her second-in-command on his honeymoon on a cruise demanding that he fly back for a meeting that he hadn't been told about, even though he'd been planning the wedding for over a year. He said, I can't do that. He lost his job. That's great. You know, funny you mentioned this because Mm -hmm. um, I actually am a big fan of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Um, Oh yeah. I love the Mary Beret in the air. And the reason why I love that show, it's not very realistic by any standards, but it kind of mm-hmm. shows you a picture of what life was like for people in the Midwest in the 1970s. It seems very dull. It is very dull. But you're right. We we had lives. We were we were able to socialize. People forget about long weekends. That was a thing back in the day. I know. I know. Me, I was WKRP in Cincinnati. That was my people. But yeah, I know Mary Tyler. So. But it's just this. It's this shift. And. I don't know. I don't know what it would take for people to realize the shift. I think we've had a lot of catastrophes in the past 100 odd years to keep on showing us this, but. I, I don't I don't know what the right it's message going to, is. It's going to take the climate catastrophe. Unless we make some very large changes. I don't give mankind a hundred years. Oh, I mean there will be, you know, little groups here and there that are alive 
but Mother Nature is getting pretty sick of the two-legged cockroaches, and she's doing everything she can to get rid of us. You know, what is COVID except bacterial viral raid? The crazy thing about um, the viruses, and I, mm -hmm. I did some research because, unfortunately, my family is affected by COVID. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to stop there before they put the warnings on the episode. Anyway, um, vaccines are very old, mm -hmm. very old. Um, mm -hmm. Viruses, bacteria, all of these, they date back billions of years. So mm -hmm. you're talking about this heavily advanced microorganism. It's been around way longer than human beings have ever existed on this mm -hmm. earth. And it could just wipe out the entire species with just one shift, literally one shift. It could be the most deadliest thing that has ever, and it's in the air. My nephew is a major scientist for CRISPR. He ain't telling me anything I don't know. And as the permafrost melts and bacteria we haven't seen in thousands of years go, hello. Yeah. You know, it, there's a reason why I call March 2020 the advent of the years of murder, hornet, bingo, and hold my beer. Um, we're not going to be escaping this anytime soon. You better get used to wearing masks. I know. And it's interesting because, like, you know, we, we're, we're discussing trauma, and trauma for each generation has been different. I mean, for my generation, for... When I say my generation, I was born in 99. So it's very weird for people born in 99, 98, and 97. We're like on the precipice where by the time we reached our teens, it was 2010, when we had mm -hmm. the complete shift to completely everything was technology. Um, and a lot of us did not take it very well. I was one of those. I still struggle with technology. Um and, and it's just like one of those things where no one discusses that we're all of a sudden now you're putting all of this technology in us. And a lot of our parents didn't even know what to do with any of this stuff. There was a lot of stuff going on online and people getting into places they shouldn't. There was the epidemic in New York, K2, that happened in the early 2000s, the mid 2010, sorry. I, I remember all of that. Why isn't any, why, I feel like nobody remembers any of this. It's like, oh no, it was just, it was 12 years ago. Who cares? It's the past. Forget about it. Because they have done studies and mankind now has a shorter attention span than a goldfish. Goldfish have 12 seconds. We have eight. And when you have no downtime, everything becomes white noise. That's why nothing matters because you are shifting and clearing your brain so fast to take in more stuff. It's why people have trouble reading books now because there is this invisible gotta have, gotta do, gotta be. And you can't escape advertising at the goddamn gas pump. You are screamed at by the world 24-7 unless you make a concerted effort 
to shut it down. And people don't have boundaries. Um, I work six days a week, 14 hours a day. I read about a thousand people a year, but I get to get up in the morning. I don't have to get up in the morning because I love what I do. But Wednesdays, it's my day off. I don't care if you're dying. I will send you to another psychic. Yeah, that's my boundaries. I did a lecture at um, uh, a, a seminar, a pagan seminar that's been running all week last night. Mm-hmm. One of the things I talked about with boundaries, which cats never listen to because no. they're cats. Hello, yes. Schnitzling. This is our um, producer. Her name's Twix. Hi, Twix. Um, Sorry. So, no, that's okay. It's a cat. I'm, I, that's my goldfish moment. It's, ooh, cat. Um, but I, the next day, got an immediate friend request on my personal page on Facebook from someone who was there. And I said, here's my business. She said, well, that isn't what I wanted. I said, didn't you hear my lecture on boundaries last night? I need a personal place where I can let my hair down. These are my friends. You won't miss anything by going to my personal page. And she was pissed. I don't care. No, boundaries is very, you're right. Um, And I've spoken about this before many Mm -hmm. times. Boundaries is so important. You're not telling somebody, oh, you're not welcomed. You're just telling somebody, listen, this is a line because that's where I decided the line is for me. That's that's my line. And you that's decide right. this is your line, correct? Mm-hmm. And Simple. again, because Facebook calls them friends, real friends take time and commitment just because you click and say i want to be your friend you're not my friend you know i look and this is this is going to sound egotistical for which i apologize but facts are facts i have an international reputation as a certified tarot master past life specialist psychic medium i mean internationally best-selling books i've been on radio i've been on television plus for many years, I wrote for a great graphic novel series called ElfQuest, which has published millions of volumes and it's known all over the world. So I'm connected with those two fan bases. Unless I have my boundaries where I can turn away from that, fans, as well-meaning as they are, will be so desperate for your attention and your time and to tell you dreams that they will drain you to death because i'm one person and they are thousands yeah yeah i know that's that's trauma yeah you know in the beginning what is trauma trauma is a situation that you don't want but you cannot get out of whether like, it was childhood abuse, right? Whether it was rape, you know, whether it was having doctors completely trash your self-image uh, with cancer surgeries, and not having that personal space to breathe, to absorb, and to decide how you will handle it, is why we are all screaming inside. 
daily trauma because everybody goes through it. It's uh, it's one of my weird things is the one question you'd, you would have wanted to ask John Lennon was Mm -hmm. how does he deal with the trauma of millions of fans? Because he was the most well-known person. I mean, he was the most, you know, he was the most prone person to trauma and this is going to blow people's minds, but um, celebrities like privacy. Okay. They don't like you pestering them at cafes and restaurants when they're with their loved ones. I get it. I like them too, but don't disturb somebody when they're living their life. And it's not even with celebrities It's with anybody. It's God have some fucking common sense. Okay. If somebody give us everything, And then we want more. Enough. Me? You know, you really want to tell Patrick Stewart how much you adore him in X-Men or Star Trek or whatever, or Waiting for Godot with Ian McKellen. If you see him in a restaurant, you send over a bottle of wine with a note that says, thank you for. And you don't wait around to wave at him either. You can watch where he won't see you, but you give something back because that is the difference between a friend and a fan. Friends, it's give and take. I'd be happy to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you. If I have a bad day, I'll tell you, you'll understand. Fans expect you to be a certain way. It's like they expect you to always play the same music. They expect you to always remember the lie. I mean, There's a very famous Saturday Night Live bit with Shatner back in the 80s or 90s where he says to the Star Trek people, get a life! Because they're saying, do you remember in season three, episode two, when you turned to Spock at? No, he didn't. Be that involved in your own life. If someone inspires you, magnificent. Whatever inspired you, see if you can give it away to somebody else. Whether it's you love music, or whether it's an actor, if the actor has, uh, let's take Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt after Hurricane Katrina in 05, built houses in New Orleans, okay? So fine, go work on a Habitat for Humanity house. You love Brad Pitt, go do something that you know his energy would appreciate. Enough, enough. Am I making sense here, Dave? You are, and and it's the point of the point of leaders, the point of elders is to people that we look up to. You know, I love George Harrison for one reason and one reason only. He spent his life telling the truth. If you listen to any of his interviews, he kept on giving over the same message, which is live your own, live your own truth. And why am I bringing up George Harrison? Because here you have somebody he had everything. He had all the money in the world. You know what he did for the rest of his life? Got himself clean. He got married. He started an organization. He helped out in India tremendously. He did something. Just like you're saying is where he's doing something that he cares about because he's a human being. I guess it's a friendship, but it's a friendship of a compassion towards one another where you appreciate each other's workmanship and craftsmanship on either side. 
Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it mm-hmm. is. So, you know, people talk about bad and good karma, and that's so kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Because the books that I've I've worked on, we basically understand karma's five things. Healing, service, contrast, unbalanced energy, and healing the beliefs. And when you see it that way, even trauma can create something amazing. I'm going to use the story of Ryan White. Ryan White was the kid that got AIDS from a blood transfusion back in the late 80s. And because people didn't know much about it then, he was treated like a pariah. His family was cruelly abused by the community. But he made friends with Elton John. Um, who was drinking and drugging and porning himself to death. But he was so moved by Ryan and his family, they became very close. He played at Ryan's funeral. Ryan inspired him to get clean and sober, which he has been for well over 30 years. And Ryan inspired him to create the Elton John AIDS Foundation, which has given half a billion dollars to worldwide AIDS and HIV research. Okay, so that's a trauma that because that particular soul was willing to go through it, it was a life of service. And what he created out of that trauma has healed people worldwide. That's an example of when trauma can be service. Used as a tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, um, I stumbled... I stumbled upon upon this because I, I I took you know I went through many different journeys and um I started you know looking into Buddhism and that was one thing that I learned from you know secular Buddhism I don't believe in any of the religion no offense I'm not yeah. I don't think that Buddhism is a religion I just think it's a philosophy it is a philosophy but there's the other part of it but the the philosophy aspect of Buddhism there is the belief of different path uh, pathways. Mm-hmm. So your life is like a river. It's a flowing river. You're going mm-hmm. down and you at each point in your life, you you have different pathways that are put in front of you and you have mm-hmm. to choose with pa- which pathway to go through. And if you you read people that describe the passages and put their notes on it, they all say, well, you go through horror and hell and tragedy. And then you went through all this goodness and kindness. So as as a layman person or someone just sitting there like, oh, that sounds stupid. Why, why don't you just take the other path? Sometimes you need to take the wrong path to get to the right path. It's just how life is designed. You know, it, it's, it's, it's how we are structured as people. Yeah. Now, this brings up an interesting thing. I believe in pre-birth planning in that the soul comes down here with specific things it wants to learn. Okay. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, I thought we had free will. How can you have pre-birth planning? I say, let's look at college. Okay. Fine. You go to Brown. You're going to be a psych- uh, physics major. Now that's your pre-birth plan. You can either take a bunch of gut courses or double major plus lab, whatever you take, you're still going to graduate. What courses you choose, that's your free will. By the end of your life, you're going to learn what you need to learn. But did you make it easy on yourself or hard on yourself? 
that's their choice. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. I'm very good with stories and allegories because that's how people listen. They won't listen to an abstract idea, but if you paint them a picture, they get it. That that's the that was one of the strengths that I had to learn because you know I have ADHD and I also mm-hmm. have dyslexia, and for many years it was a, it was a struggle. Okay, I you know I hated reading. I used to force myself to read books. Now I love books. I read them all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But being able to now is I can only explain things in pictures because in my head, I don't see letters. I see pictures. Um, mm-hmm. And I realized for myself is it's a strong suit that I have because people can better understand me. So mm-hmm. what we've been taught about dyslexia even autism, okay? Yeah. Any type of learning disability. I don't think it's a disability. It's just other. Just other. I think it's an evolution. Okay. That too. I think it's an evolution of of the human species to the next level. And, you know, I've heard this like even on the Joe Rogan's podcast, and I'm a very big believer of this. We might reach a point where humans won't even communicate via speech. We won't need to. We'll communicate with our heads. Say mine. Communicate with our heads makes me think I'm going to have to clock you on the foreheads, Lynn Morse code. But um, no, I agree with you because, you know, people say, oh, my God, you know, were you born with this? Is it a gift? I say, no, no, no. You can do what I do. We're all wired like the same house plan. So it's energy. One thing mm-hmm. I did learn is energy, it's infinite. Okay. And in, energy never dies. And one thing, like, I'm one of those people I like to learn. You can even see, you know, through ancient civilizations where energy has always been a very crucial part of making things work how an engine works, how the Romans figured out a way of creating troughs, you know, having water canals going through different places. Aqueducts, things like that. Aqueducts, yeah. And this is all using energy. What do you think electricity is? Electricity Mm -hmm. is energy. Mm -hmm. When we die, when anything dies, okay, its physical presence is no longer existed because it's dead. But the energy of whatever it is you know what i'm going to go even a level deeper one of the most powerful psychedelics that exists is called dimethyltryptamine when we die our brains release dimethyltryptamine when we die okay the most powerful psychedelic is released in the human body when you reach death to me that is a connection of when something is no longer living the energy that is within must go somewhere where we don't know, but it goes somewhere. So that's my belief on it. That that's yeah. Cool. I'm not God. So I can't tell you whether you're right or wrong. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I could be completely off. That's just, we're never going to know until we die. And then we'll know. Yeah. That'll be fun. I always, I always like to joke if, there is a hell. I really hope they got some good sunscreen, sunglasses, and a lot of margaritas because I'm going to need that in the hot tub. 
If whatever is the imminent point of the universe yes. is the imminent, there is no hell. The closest thing is probably, I believe, when we cross over and we do a life review. And every nasty thing we ever did to somebody else, we have to feel ourselves. And every kind thing we get to experience as well. And then it's done. You know, I believe in reincarnation. I've had enough crazy evidence myself. And then, of course, the Bible thumpers come and say, oh, but the Bible says you only live once. And then go, and you're right, too. The soul is what comes down time and time and time again. Dave, Corby, this recipe is one and done. And the way I explain it to people who don't get that is I say, let's take the actor Matt Smith. That was my doctor. He was the 11th doctor on Doctor He's Who. He's also now on the, the new exactly. Game exactly. of Thrones. He's amazing. That's right. He's amazing. So he did Doctor Who, hung up that outfit. Then he became Prince Philip in the Crown for two years. Yes. Hung that up. And now he's the crazy whack job on House of Dragons. Damien. Matt Smith is the soul. Each of the parts he played is like an incarnation. The soul inhabits it, but the soul isn't it. The same idea if you believe in multiple universes, there's multiple versions of yourself. Mm -hmm. Remembering also energy does not confine to the same bounds of space we as people do. So energy can I, – I, I'm not a scientist, so if I'm wording this incorrectly, I apologize. Neither am I. I couldn't. No. Don't um, worry about it. Energy interconnects with itself within the mm -hmm. outer scopes – of the, the known universe because everything is energy. So it can't be combined because it is everything. It literally is everything. Mm -hmm. It's very it's, hard to understand. I don't know. It's like I said, you know, it's like trying to teach an ant calculus. He doesn't have enough gray matter in his little pea brain to get the, uh, the calculations. No, they're a speck, little tiny little speck on the ground. That's what we are. Mm -hmm. if you, if really, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. We I, don't I, know if we are always human or if we go to planet Zorch or we go into other universe. We don't know. Because right now, this is the part we're playing. Um, yeah. You know, I do know that if I have to do medical intuitive work, very often my dad will come in. He was a brilliant cardiologist and my best friend. So what does he bring down with him? He still puns. God help me, he still puns. His kindness, his compassion, his brilliant medical knowledge, of which I have none. But what he left behind, because it was part of the part he played down here, his hypochondria, his depression, his anxiety, there's no need for that. So... That's an example of what gets hung up in the closet as opposed to our full soul self. And it's the good stuff. I, I, I do want to go into, because like we, we've talked about this before on the podcast, especially with, with mm. suicide. And um, I'll be honest, like I've been dealing with very bad depression for many weeks. Um, and I have been suicidal in the past. And one kind of message I've been trying to get out is it's temporary. You know, like we were saying that we're, we're minuscule in this universe. We live such a short time. We suffer 
for such a short time. You know, what is a year compared to 30 years? What is two years compared to 45 years? You know, it's, it's, I can't even say it. It's, it's a non-comparable. And, and, you know, you give yourself an out. My out when I get really depressed is I envision myself at the bottom of a well, but I look up and I can see there's a lip of a well in their sky. Because when we are depressed, all of us, it is enveloping. So we have to look up and see it is finite. There's an edge to it. Then we know that we can climb out of it when we are ready. Yeah. It's, it's hard. You know, I, I, unfortunately I've had people that I've lost to suicide. Um, it, it, it's very hard because when you're in that state, and I'm sure you can relate to this when you're in that state, anything that's coming towards you is mm-hmm. getting bounced right off to the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, people that beat themselves up, oh, I could have, would have, could he, would have, you couldn't because, you know, the person was in this mindset where they were just repelling everything that it, that's around them. When someone wants to take themselves out, truly, nothing will stop them. No. And it's their choice. That, too, is part of free will. I've realized this a while ago, that you can't run away from suffering. Okay. I've, I've, I, I think the, I, I, I've seen my own suffering. I think if you've seen your own suffering as well, it's just, it's a part of being a part of a day-to-day life. And if you can't accept that, well, what are you doing here? It is part of the human experience. Yeah. It's, we have to learn duality down here. You know, I, you've heard the example of the white room, I'm sure. Yes. For those of your listeners that haven't, if you're in a white room with white walls and white curtains and white floors and white furnitures and a white piano with white keys and you're in white, you have no idea what purple is. No. The Eskimos have 200 words for snow and not one for palm tree because they don't got palm trees. So we are down here in this duality aspect to learn to choose differently because until we experience the difficulties of humanity we cannot fully appreciate what we have when we are out of the body and we cannot strive or will not strive to bring as much of our soul self down here as we can. Yeah. I, I've heard this from other people and I found for myself and, and this is not for everyone, but sometimes when you use things like psychedelics, um, you know, for me personally, I use cannabis. These are tools that allow your mind 
to work in a different way. And I'll tell you this right now with cannabis. It's all about mindset. I can act right now completely like a stone person you see on every single television. It's not real. It's mindset. It's all about the way you're allowing yourself to focus and being able to understand when you're focusing and you're seeing a clear picture and you're taking in all of the details, you have to accept the reality that is in front of you. I get it. It stinks. Sorry. But you, you, you cannot live a life with blurry with a blurry image. Mm-hmm. True. So I will admit, now, you know, maybe it's the pot of 50 years ago. I used to get time plates, which, you know, you and I would have this massive conversation for 30 minutes. And I would turn away and look at something else for 15 seconds and I would come back and it was like, did we really have a conversation? Okay. Um, you can't see him very well, but I have my own mute professor up here that's been yeah, on the I, I, he's I, a main coon. I can see the butt. And then I can see part of the I can see oh wait, I can see the hand. Yes. <laughs> All right. Are you gonna No. Okay. So you're an invisible cat tonight, baby. Um you, you were um sorry, you were you were saying? <laughs> what I was talking about with the time plate. Um, time plates. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of um, the, I've heard of like the, the, I forgot what they call them. The, the things that you have in the disco halls. Um, disco balls. No, the, the drugs they used to have there. They look like little cookies. I forgot what those are called. I, don't know, I like did this. not do disco, so I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you were saying about time plates and you'd Please. have these conversations. P-L-E-A-T-S. Time pleats. Oh, time pleats. Pleats. Yes. Pleats. Interesting. Okay. So, um, but anyway, um, let's wind it back. How did we start talking about cannabis? For perception? Yeah, because um, I pretty much have had an alter perception because, you know, I've had these different experiences and the way I view the world and, you know, with my abilities um, and how I do things differently, I've been able to adapt. Um, mm-hmm. To me, the world seems completely normal around me because, you know, uh, I know this is going to sound crazy, but one trick is you just block out the bullshit. It's a very easy trick. You just focus on what's at hand and mm-hmm. you just, it's hard to get used to, but the anyway, I'm, I'm rambling. Uh, the point it's that we okay. were, the point that we were, um, we were getting at was, when you have a different perspective and you're able to see a, the clearer image, the way you think, your perception of the world, is very different than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, the way you do that without drugs which is not to say don't do drugs. It's just, this is how I can teach people. There's ways of doing it without drugs. Yeah. A hundred percent. Okay. Is I teach people the deity on the mountain exercise. When you have a situation that you're stuck in, I tell them, I want you to imagine that you are a 50 foot God or goddess and you're standing on a cliff, a half a mile up and you're overlooking this little village. 
And you see the births and the deaths and the alliances and the squabbles and the marriages and the divorces. But because you see the overview, you're not in the middle of it. You see the patterns. You understand the patterns, but you don't get lost in the minutia. Whenever you have a problem like that, put yourself on the mountain. Be objective and detached and view. Then you may know better how you want to deal with it. Having a bird's eye view. Mm -hmm. But bird's eye view, they've heard that expression so much that it's what I call omega brain. Doesn't go through. Yeah. Um, but if you give them an exercise to do, people, it's again, it's a story. You know, going to tarot cards, people are afraid of death, the devil, and the tower. And I explained now, let me show you the allegory, like the tower card, doom, gloom, destruction. Now, I want you to think of it like the imploding sports stadium card. Red Sox want to build a new stadium. They're going to have to blow up Fenway first and clear the ground. So then people look at that card as there's going to be a lot of change in my life, but I will run toward the change so I can control it more rather than a one array and let it trip my ass. Yeah. Story. Why do you think storytellers were so revered before most people could read and write? Because not only did they keep the oral history going, but it was how you taught. You drew pictures, you told stories that would stick with them. They would be able to tell other people and they would live the stories. Be able to continue it on and I'll be mm -hmm. forgotten. Um, mm -hmm. stories are, stories are so important because it reminds us, it not only reminds us of our past, but it also reminds us of our mistakes. You know, one thing is, as humans, we like to forget we are imperfect creatures and we, we make mistakes. But my biggest fear that I've, I've seen personally now is we're, we're doing too much. I, 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 I mean... With what every everything's going on, it's just there's gotta be there's gotta be a limit. You you, you can't baby people. You know, if you, you you baby people, they grow up to be a bunch of worms that squirm around in the streets. Look, yesterday was Veterans Day. A lot of us were putting pictures of our parents or grandparents up on our Facebook thing. And I had a picture of my dad there at age 25. And he was sitting on a crumbled wall in Vienna, Austria, 46. Um, he was a doctor at the 110th Station Hospital. But you look at that face and it looks like someone who was in his late 30s today. Why? Because they had lives where they were required to be adults earlier. They were not pampered like kids are today. There were no helicopter parents. They were expected to live up to their potential, which is different than we, you know, sent you to learn Chinese and you're learning to play the harp and we want you to get into Harvard and in it. That's not living up to your potential. That's like you're a voodoo doll. Yeah. But in World War II, by the time you were 18, you were an adult. You had to grow up. 
you were expected to grow up and you saw the world honestly. Things changed with our generation, the boomers, because our parents had it so hard with the war and the depression before that, that they gave us everything that they would have wanted. And I'm not sure it did us a service. No. I mean, look what happened in the 50s, 60s, Mm -hmm. 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. I'm going to keep going. 2010s. We did some good things. We did some good things. There has been some good things. And I, I don't only think it has to do with the baby boomers. I think... I, I think there was there was a tear between I I would say between 1929 and 1949. Mm-hmm. In that period of history, we went as a civilization all the way down to pure chaos. We pulled mm-hmm. ourselves all the way up from chaos and completely crumbled ourselves. So we basically destroyed society. I, I mean this on a global level because this affected mm-hmm. worldwide. Cool. Four times from 1900 to 1950. That's a lot. That's a lot of times for society to keep on crumbling itself. We are living in a skeleton shell of what remains of what came after the last war, the ma- the last world war, which was World War mm-hmm. II. Um, and what we're left with now is a society that, we need to rebuild. Why do we keep taking old shit and just cleaning it up and making it new? It doesn't work. It hasn't worked. It's never worked. It's a waste of money. It's a waste. This is one of the reasons why Mother Nature is doing what she's doing, because we will not be able to recreate what we had because the earth won't be there the way it was. We will adapt or we will die. I guess the Native Americans weren't uh, weren't wrong in the end. No, they got it. They got yeah. it completely. They did. Damn. And it's it it's just it's baffling because for me personally. You know, I have to work every single day. I, I work. Um, I work nine to five. Uh, I do school every single day, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing a lot of other things. I I literally work every single day to mm-hmm. manage. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, pre-pandemic, I'm a lot more isolated mm-hmm. than I have been ever in my life. Um, I do go out, and I you know I do try to socialize, but I don't have as much time. You have to make the time. Remember what I said. One day a week is mine. It's the only way you will survive, babe. Cut it down to six. You got to just make one day. Mm-hmm. I think to to bring this whole conversation, and we went from all the way from the beginning, like presently being in a trauma sense, to present day, to now. We're, okay, we went through this. I, 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 it's fucked. You know, I was fucked for God knows how many years. Now I'm alive. It's over. It's done with. What do I do with it? What do we do now moving forward with the trauma that we still are carrying on our shoulders? You pay it forward. 
to pay it forward. One of the reasons that I have the clients I do is because I am not a size two blonde with a trust fund who never had a problem. So they can't bring me anything that I don't listen to and get. So if we've had these traumas and we've gotten through it, find your sentence of passion within it. What's that? Your sentence of passion is not who you are or what you do or even how you do it. It's your vapor trail. When you go skidding into heaven on bald tires and fumes in the tank and whoever's up there hands you a beer and says, so you get to say, I did this. Isn't it cool? My sentence of passion is cross the bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. When I can take somebody from point A to point B when they thought they couldn't make it, whack them on their shoulders, say, here are your wings. You don't need a flight plan. Get. I'm living my bliss. And I couldn't have taught that if I hadn't had to live it myself. This is um, this has been an amazing conversation. Um, I really appreciate you, Corby, coming here and giving us an hour. Um, so uh, kind of just going over with you, I know that you have um, a website, you have um, a couple of several books that you've written. Um, you've been on multiple podcasts. So for our listeners who have made it all the way to here, they finished the groovy version and journey okay. of their okay. lives. Um, yeah. Do you want to leave anything where anybody can follow you or find oh, your yeah, work? Oh God, Dave, they can't avoid me. <laughs> Number one, you go to my website. It's CorbyMitlai.com. I'm on a lot of social media. Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube. Um, I write on Medium. You want to learn with me, you go to Patreon. It's all under CorbyMitlai.com. Perfect. Well, um, thank you so much to all listeners and sponsors. Uh, be sure to check out our other episodes and stay tuned for more. See you next week. I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? Anyway, goodbye.